This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Zneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Yesterday, the provincial government unveiled new measures to address the crisis in our long-term care homes, which have seen nearly half the total number of deaths from COVID-19. These include increased testing and forbidding staffers to work in more than one nursing home. But there are concerns that gaps and loopholes in these measures will allow the terrible carnage to continue. I spoke to Dr. Marilee Fullerton, Ontario's Minister of Long-Term Care, this morning. Dr. Marilee Fullerton, thanks so much for joining us. You're very welcome. Yesterday, you put a bunch of new measures in place, and I would like to start with the testing. It says that you're enhancing testing of symptomatic residents and staff. I also heard yesterday from the head of the Registered Nurses Association that she knows of cases of people who have COVID-19 who are still going to work in hospitals and long-term care. How is that even happening? Well, we're following the advice of the Chief Medical Officer of Health and all the the recommendations and uh, directives that he gives. I can't speak to what's happening in hospitals in terms of long-term care. There are situations where positive staff may be cohorted with positive uh, residents, but um, that is the chief medical officer of health and public health um, that directs that. Uh huh. And how quickly are you going to expand the testing to asymptomatic staff? Again, I've had calls from people saying, you know, they're working in a home where there is has been symptomatic staff, but they cannot get a test. And that's a really important question because it's becoming increasingly clear through evidence uh, surrounding COVID-19 that it is asymptomatic spread uh, that is in the community. And obviously, that's how it is getting into our our homes as well. So that's happening as we speak. There are um, uh, testing of asymptomatic residents and staff in, in selected homes all across Ontario to help public health and the chief medical officer of health understand the spread of this. And uh, there is also enhanced testing uh, for homes in outbreak with a targeted plan to look at the residents and staff there in a, in a much more enhanced way, a much more aggressive testing. And, and when? That's happening now. That's happening now. Okay, yesterday, uh, the new emergency regulation that staff would only be allowed to work in one home was welcomed. There is a concern that it doesn't apply to workers who come through agencies. Is that right? Yes, and and this has been for several weeks now that the Chief Medical Officer of Health, about four weeks ago, strongly recommended one work site uh, for long-term care homes for, for workers. And uh, this is building on that and adding a mandate to say to workers, no, you must choose. And the agency nurses are important right now because there was a shortage of workers for many years leading up to this point, which we were trying to to solve, by the way. Um, But the agency nurses allow us to make sure that there's a supply of staff available to work on an emergency basis. This order doesn't apply to them, but it's to ensure the safety of our long-term care residents. We want to make sure that our frontline 
uh, workers are supported and we don't want them burning out. We have to make sure that our residents are cared for. These agency workers would, would be absolutely subject to the active screening direction that the Chief Medical Officer of Health has directed all homes to adhere to. And that's rigorous screening. Is that just nurses or personal support workers too? That would be through the agencies, yeah. Whether it's nurses or personal support workers, they would all have to follow and go through this very rigorous active screening process. But ultimately, it's about making sure that the staff that is there is not burning out and that, you know, continuing to feed and care for our most vulnerable Ontarians. And this staffing problem is many years, and we were actively working to address it when the pandemic hit. Now, in terms of the compensation, so you've said that they will be able to have leaves of absence from their other jobs uh, while they're limited to working in only one home. But my understanding is that you're waiting on some kind of transfer from the federal government to top up their wages. So meantime, they're working on the front lines in very difficult jobs and they've lost income. Well, there's many pieces to this and we've we've really want to make sure that our frontline workers understand how much they're valued. And we've been putting measures in place to be able to address their wages and compensation. Um, There are a number of different issues surrounding that, and that takes time. We are not waiting on the federal compensation package, uh, although we do appreciate it, and it will be helpful. So are you going to compensate them? That is something that we are working on to address. We understand the issues Uh, during this pandemic. And uh, my heart goes out to every single one of the staff. And the majority of our homes are doing very well. We have a percentage that's in outbreak. Uh, Those staff are under extraordinary um, pressure. My heart goes out to them and everyone affected by this. When can they expect to hear something about their compensation? I would like it to have happened yesterday. The reality is that there are processes that we we have to go through. So no ETA? My hope is uh, urgently. That is what I'm actioning. That is what I'm pushing for. There are a number of processes that have to be adhered to. I understand the important work that they do. There was a report today, published report, that the number of deaths in long-term care is underreported by about 50%, that as of the writing of that report, there were actually 219 by a tally of the separate public health agencies versus what was reported, which was 144. There's a lag, and this has been um, really problematic the whole way through this. Public health units are on the ground. They begin the reporting of um, cases and deaths. And then there's several layers before it gets through to the Ministry of Long-Term Care. And and we're often seeing reports in the media and on television or through radio reporting before we um, have been able to confirm it. So there are numerous layers that have to go through public health and then to us. It has to be official. They have to be confirmed. But there is a lag. And are you trying to fix that, or is that just the yes. way things are? Definitely, when, when working on that and the, and the gap is getting smaller, there is still some of the lag time. There was another report about inspections. It said that the most fulsome inspections, uh, that there were only nine of those in 2019, while you focused on inspections that were sparked by complaints. And according to this report, those inspections are less fulsome. We also know there's an issue that um, often... The nursing homes are told in advance when the inspector's coming so uh, they can put a bow on things. What's your response to that? 
Well, we've uh, done over 2,800 inspections uh, in our long-term care homes in the last year. The nine that is being referred to, I think, is is misleading, and it's misleading to say that only nine inspections have been done. Those are what we call RQIs, or random quality inspections, and those are a random sample of residents. These are not targeted. We move to a risk-based inspection process in addition to the annual inspections that must be done in every home, in addition to an action line that is available um, so that we can have anyone in the public, family members, residents themselves, staff, report a concern uh, and make sure that those are swiftly acted on. So I, I think it's misleading to say that only nine inspections have been done, and because that certainly isn't the case. We've also recognized the importance of making sure our residents are getting the care they need. And so basing the inspections on, on risk uh, was also a way to make sure that our residents are getting fed and bathed and cared for in a compassionate and dignified way. Are you going to step up inspections? And then there's also the issue of enforcement after inspections. I mean, you know, we the Auditor General talked about the three-month-old eggs. Has it been fixed? We have no idea. Well, we know that this is an extraordinary time, unprecedented tragedy. COVID-19 is affecting long-term care homes across the world in a similar way. Our focus has to be on protecting our most vulnerable people in long-term care. And that is exactly what we're doing, taking these additional measures on testing, on staffing, and on in infection uh, prevention and control. We are taking every measure possible. The tools that we've used have not been sufficient. And this is something that the Chief Medical Officer of Health is aware of. And we are, are looking to make sure that the scientific evidence on COVID-19 um, and the advice coming from our Chief Medical Officer of Health on that is implemented. This is a tragic situation. I can only acknowledge the, the heartbreak and the, the sadness that has come from this beast, COVID-19. Everyone here is working around the clock to protect our most vulnerable. And even then, our defenses are not enough. I'd just like to end with a, a look back. So before this hit us really hard in the hospitals, we saw preparations, rooms being set aside, negative pressure rooms, capacity. What was done in nursing homes? Yes, well, since there was a dedicated um, Ministry of Long-Term Care, we've had a lens on this, looking at the homes that need to be redeveloped. Many of them are, are quite old. Uh, they even include ward rooms where there's four people to a room. We were engaging with our sector, collaborating, consulting, understanding the staffing strategies, really recognizing we had to bring our long-term care um, homes up to 21st century standards and modern design standards. And that's exactly what we had been working on feverishly. We'd had a, a staffing study to inform a comprehensive strategy to alleviate the shortages understanding what the problems were, why beds were not being built, really looking at the integration of long-term care with acute care. It has to be seen as, as a um, critical part of our healthcare system. And for many years, it was neglected. And that's why I'm so passionate. And our government is, has created a ministry dedicated to this. And we were in the process of transforming long-term care. So we need a more integrated system better transitions, 
support for our workers so that they are valued and that our residents get the care that they need, and a more integrated system with our acute care hospitals so that the expertise for prevention and infection control can can allow our long-term care homes and their staff to be supported. That's exactly what we were doing when well, we were hit by this. I understand that, but say hospitals were also at capacity and over capacity, and they managed to prepare. So was it a, a space issue that long-term care homes were not able to? Well, we know that um, in long-term care, we were at 99% capacity. Hospitals were uh, over capacity uh, with many what we call alternate level of care patients. And so we were actually, the long-term care um, sector was being looked to to help decant the hospitals to prepare for the surge in patients. And that was in process. We were doing as much as we could to help the hospitals um, and the acute care sector. And long-term care, we were preparing for this, understanding the staffing strategies. We issued two emergency orders on that. We have been uh, providing the active screening from the get-go, limiting uh, access to only essential visitors, um, making sure that we were uh, getting uh, PPE for our long-term care homes, doing everything possible in advance. And yet the whole system, whether it was hospitals or long-term care, uh, really um, a capacity issue. And the fact that long-term care was neglected for 15 years, almost nothing had been done. I, I'm, not, I'm not placing blame. I think it's a society. We have a moral obligation to look after our most vulnerable people. And our, our society, a civilized society, will be judged on that. And I would like to see more people visiting our long-term care home residents once, once this is over to make sure that we have the support in place, that we value our long-term care homes and our residents and the staff. This is Long-term care cannot be an afterthought. You know, it's a, it's a global threat, COVID-19, and it's devastating everywhere to long-term care homes and their residents and the staff. We will bring long-term care up to modern standards after years of neglect. Okay. I'm sure that you're overwhelmed with work, so thank you very much for taking the time, Dr. Marilee Fullerton. Thank you. That's all the time we have for today. Remember, Free For All Friday is coming up tomorrow, and we will be here to take your calls and your comments. We also have a new way for you to be in touch. We now have a fight back voicemail line where you can leave a question or a comment. That number, 416-367-9636. Again, 416-367-9636. 9636. See you tomorrow. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.